hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. great? Isn't that the truth? If you want to make a change, you look in the, the man in the mirror. And what you're going to find is when you look in the mirror, when you begin to see your humanity, you go, oh gosh. But if you keep looking in that mirror long enough and your mind gets renewed in Christ, you begin to see him and not you. That's the change that needs to take place in people's lives. 
when you begin to see you and all you can see is you, you begin to see your, your shortcomings, your insufficiencies, your insecurities, your tendencies. But when you begin to see him, oh my, things begin to change. And as you see him, more of him that you see and less of what your old identity was, your behavior will follow him, not your old identity. How does it work? I have no idea. I really, it's a supernatural thing that he set up in motion. It's a spiritual thing. It cannot be understood, only discerned. Right? That's why the things of the spirit are enmity to the things of the natural mind. The more you try to put your mind or wrap your mind around, how many of you have said that? I've said it. I run and wrap my head around that. Well, if you wrap your head around it, you're a good chance your spirit's not going to get it because you're going to fight yourself over it. I don't know how he heals people, but he does. I don't know how he saves people, but he does. I mean, I've seen some rotten ones get saved. I don't know about you. I was real close to that category myself. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how he takes a situation that is completely hopeless, that you just wanna nail a tombstone on top of it and go, there is no way that thing's coming back to life. And somehow, you can pop right out of that grave and, and, and as time goes on and life goes on and experience goes on and relationship with Christ goes on, you just begin to realize, you look back on it and say, how in the world did I get from there to here when I thought that was my end? It really was just your beginning. It's a new season when the death is starting and life is taking place and you're thinking, how in the world? I don't know how he does it. I've seen, and I'm just gonna talk to you for a minute, I've seen marriages that were absolutely, they've walked out of my office and said, and I said, look, I'm, I'm not an advocate of divorce at all, but I'm going to give you the name of an attorney because this is, this, there's just, I don't, I can't fix it. You guys can't fix it. And somehow only God's gonna be able to fix it. And I think if he's like me, his patients are probably wearing thin. And I'm not sure he's gonna do it for you, Right? I'm, I'm long-suffering. He's long, more long-suffering than me, but man, sometimes they just get, and I have watched it. I have seen it come out and go, how in the world did that thing get changed? Two different people. Same, they actually did go through a divorce. They just divorced their old, old ways and embraced the new marriage, but happened to be the same person, right? Then I've seen people go through a divorce or a situation that is just bad and hopeless and devastating and think they would ne never, whether they caused it or didn't cause it, and they think they would never get past it. And all of a sudden, joy comes back in their life and they get a new relationship and for some reason, some way, they're happier now than they've ever been. Now, I don't know how it works, but it does. That's the mystery of him. And that's my cue, I think, right there. Go on, right? Quit talking and preach. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm gonna tell you, take you on a little journey here. And I feel like this is, this is kind of burning inside of me today. So uh, I hope I can slow down long enough to get it out. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I'll write them. And look at this, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Let's just stop right there for a second. I, I, I'm gonna go on, but let's just stop right there for a second. So you no need to remind God of all your iniquities and your sins when he says he'll remember them no more. 
right? You don't need to keep going back to him and say, well, God, remember. So in other words, if you're living in a situation and the, the, the wall's not moving in front of you and the barrier is there and you're feeling a resistance like, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? And you're thinking, oh, it must be because I have some stuff back here. That's not what that says. Free yourself. Because he did. Don't hold your health, yourself more accountable than what he is. Yeah, but you don't understand what I've done back there. You don't think he understood what you did back there? He did. But would that stop this from happening here? And their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. What's this? Now where remission of their, where, where, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So when you take the responsibility and you take the identity of your sins and your iniquities, there is no remission and no offering for your sins. There's only room enough for you or Christ on the cross. Both of you can't do it together. All right, so if you wanna take the responsibility for it, he'll let you because he's a good guy. He's not gonna struggle with you. He's not gonna get in a fight with your will, right? He won't. He'll yield to you because that choice is more important to him than it is even to us sometimes, right? So he says, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, <laughs> boldness to enter into the holy of, what gives you the boldness to go into the holy of holies is the fact is, you know he's not holding anything against you, right? When there's nothing between you and him, you have confidence to approach him and you can ask him of those things that you were in need of. You have boldness, you have courage, you have confidence. Why? Because you're not thinking, what's he gonna pull out on me? What's he, what's he, gonna, what's he, gonna, what's he gonna point and show? And show me all my deficiencies, all the, what? no, he's not gonna do that. You're gonna come to him with boldness, but you cannot come to him for boldness in the Holy of Holies until you know he's already written them in your heart and your mind, his laws. And he's not holding your, his, your sins, your iniquities against you any longer. What's this. By a new and living, we'll go back to that next, the previous verse, I'll finish it. Having therefore, brethren, boldest to enter to the holiest of holies by, where? The blood of Jesus. By a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through, look at this, the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Let's stop right here for a minute. All right. In the Old Testament, they had a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was just a tent of meeting is what it was, where God had given Moses some instruction to, after he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said, I wanna be, have, a, have a place to meet with my people. Those are my people, I'm their God, but I need to have a place for them to meet with me. So he gave Moses, Moses some specific instruction and he, had, he said, I want you to create a tabernacle or a tent and I want it to be mobile and I wanna be able to come in and meet with them in a certain place. So he set it up in three sections. There was this outer court where everybody saw. There was this inner court where only the priest, daily priest could go. And then there was this veil that separated the, holy, the inner court from the holiest of holies where the blood of Jesus went, okay? This might sound a little complicated initially, but you'll get where I'm going. I'll give you a real practical example here in just a moment. So what separated the holy place from the, the, the most holy place, the holy of holies, 
What separated the place where God would come and visit with his people was a huge veil, which was about 40 feet wide, along, 30 feet wide, and they say about six uh, inches thick, right? That's a pretty big piece of cloth, wouldn't you agree? 40 by 30, six inches thick, that's pretty big, right? You couldn't just haul it around with one person. It was a big you know, veil, a tent, or a, a curtain that separated the end. Nobody could go inside that back, the curtain unless you were the, the high priest. You had to be qualified. You had to be set apart from God to do it. And here's what the high priest did. The high priest went face to face with God and he represented all of the people, okay? So when he went in, he didn't go just on his own behalf, even though he did, he went on behalf of the entire population of people. So only he could go in there. So this veil was here that didn't allow the people to go. So if I'm a, just a general citizen, I'll just say it this way. If I'm just a normal churchgoer, just a general po- population person, traveling with Egypt, have the DNA of, or traveling from Egypt, have the DNA of Israel inside of me. I'm a Jewish man. And I could come, and I had a, I'd had a family. I could come up to the outer court, but that's as far as I could go. Now, if I was in the priestly line, I could come into the holy place or the inner court, and I'd have right to go there because my tribe that I was a part of allowed me to go in there. But unless I was chosen by God as a sacred vessel to him, I couldn't go in this holy of holy places. There's no way I could go in, right? So I, I could don't need to do this. So here's what happened. Outside here, the first thing you would see would be this, this brazen altar. It was made of beaten gold. They took gold and beat that gold down. And the gold was so clear and beaten that every man, every person that would approach the outside of this tabernacle would look down and inside that beaten brazen altar, you would be able to see yourself and the reflection in the mirror would be through beaten gold, just beaten down. So when you saw, you realized, man, I can see this is just, I see me. I, I can see me. It looks, it looks bad because it's, it's through beaten. It's representative of, of humanity that is on the outside looking in, not qualified to go all the way in. Are you following? All right. Now, God separated a, a, a certain tribe of men. Aaron was one. Uh, Levi was another. In, in, their, in the tribe that would allow a certain type of priesthood, a high priest, that would go in and represent all the people. Everybody else was on the outside looking in and nobody dare pass that veil. Nobody could. If you went inside the veil in rebellion or involuntarily or voluntarily because you shouldn't have gone there, what would happen is you would just fall dead because you'd be in the presence of the Lord. Because what would happen, God would come down at certain seasons and, and, and meet in that most holy place, in the Holy of Holies, it was a place he would come, and it was a mercy seat, okay? And it was a, it was a box that was built for a, 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 the, the people, for God to dwell in. That box was also, we know, as the ark. The number of the word for ark is a coffin, all right? So what God would do, he told them, he said, I want you to take the, ten, the, the tables of stone, which is your Ten Commandments. I want you to take the, the, the pot of gold, uh, manna that was from uh, Aaron, and I want you to put Aaron's rod that budded and put all those in this, this, this coffin, this box. And he put it on top, a, a, a piece of gold on top. And the gold was pure gold. And he had two 
golden cherubims, one that faced each other, angels, and their wings touched and they oversaw and overlooked and spread out over top of this mercy seat. So what would happen is the, the priest, I know this is a little deep for Sunday morning, but you're gonna have to get this because this is important stuff, okay? The priest, high, the high priest would take the blood from the sacrifice and he would begin to sprinkle the blood over the instruments and the elements as he went in up to the veil. When he got to the veil, they would tie a rope around his ankle. They would put palm granites and bales tied to them and the rope would extend outside to all the people. So as he would come in and approach behind the veil, if he didn't just follow the process just right and he didn't apply the blood of that pure animal on the altar, he would die and they would have to pull him out because nobody could go in to get him. That's how holy God is. We're talking about humanity and holiness. You can't stand in God's presence, he's so holy. Right? His holiness is so holy that it 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 would burn us up. Our flesh would burn to the ground because of his holiness. So what would happen though is they would, they would hear him begin to shake in the presence of the Lord and he would begin to tremble in, as he was doing it. As long as he was shaking and the noise sounded, it let everybody know in there he's still alive because they could hear the bells ringing. Following me? Put the blood on the mercy seat, comes out, and everybody knew that, hey, there's peace between us and God for another year. It would push the sins ahead of all mankind for one more year. So, another fresh start. However, next year, we gotta go have to go through this whole process again. So it only pushed them ahead 360 some days. Are you following me? So Aaron would come out and say, man, we made it. The priest, high priest would come out, we made it. This is wonderful, this is great. Then God says to them, that is to be done every year. But he said, there's coming a day, the the prophets would come and begin to speak and say, there's coming a day that I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna bring a sacrifice to the world that is once and for all gonna take all the sins from all mankind and I'm gonna take them all away with one eternal sacrifice, that blood of of, of goats and bulls and, 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 and sheep and lambs is not gonna do it. I don't take pleasure in blood from animals. That's what he said. But I, there's coming a day, I'm gonna, come, I'm gonna do it, and you're gonna know when it happens, and it, it's gonna settle it all, right? Because a high priest is gonna be able to go through here. The problem is there's nobody qualified in the earth to be the guy that can go behind that veil. Follow me? So he says, your rules, your, 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 your regulations... All of your articles of incorporation, your bylaws, your denominational rules, everything are good for order. But they won't take you behind the veil. Right? Your, 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 your goodness won't get you there and your badness won't keep you from there. How's that gonna work? Because there's coming a day. I'm gonna bring a lamb. I'm gonna bring a high priest. And that priest himself is gonna be able to do what eternally everybody needs for it to happen. So God says, I'm gonna find me a man. He didn't find him a man. He had to come himself, right? 
He was the lamb that was slain on the outside because the lamb was slain for everybody to see out here. So the sacrifice happened outside. Why did the sacrifice happen outside? It was for everybody. You didn't have to go in to see it. It was out here. So everybody from the outside could partake of his sacrifice. That's why he was saying, their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. This sacrifice on the outside forgave the sins and the iniquities of everybody, whether you went in or didn't go in. I'm putting it on you whether you like it or not. I'm forgiving you whether you like it. I'm writing my law on your heart and in your mind whether you like it or not. I'm not asking you, I'm not consulting you, I'm not counseling you, I'm not asking you for your, this is a suggestion for you. It's, it's, this is gonna be news. When this happens, it's going to be good news because the good news is gonna let you know you're free and free at last. Now, whether you walk in and, and enjoy the, the freedoms of this is gonna be up to you. But my part is to take it off of you to give you the ability to come in and experience all that I have for you. Gotta remove that off your head, take it off your shoulder. It's gotta come off of you. That yoke has got to get destroyed. So he writes the laws in your heart, writes the laws in their mind. On who? Everybody. Everybody. Doesn't say just the Jewish people. Everybody's got, <laughs> what Jesus did on the cross, he implanted in your heart and your mind his laws. Whether you know it or not, there's something inside of you that wants to do right. That's right. You hear that? It, 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 it's inside of you to do, your inclination isn't always to do bad. Your inclination is to do good. What? How can, how can that possibly even be? I'll show you. There was a high priest, his name was Jesus. Not only was the, the lamb that shed his blood, he took his own blood and he come in. On the day he shed his blood on the cross, there was a veil in that holy place that separated the place from in and the most holy place, the place where he dwelt. There was a veil, 40 feet by 30 feet, six inches thick. That veil was rent top to bottom. It was torn, ripped. Not that you could sew it back together because it was ripped. And it didn't go from the, the, top, the bottom to the top because man could have been able to do that. But it was at the top to the bottom because nobody could get to it, so it had to be initiated by God. So he ripped the top to the bottom. And, the, and, and Jesus, being our high priest, goes into the Holy of Holies, applies his own personal blood, and sanctified it and settled it once and for all. Now that is an incredible story in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Because you can follow it like it's a historical document, a book, and it's wonderful. It is. It's great. Study it out. You need to do that. But let me take you a little step further. This happened 2,000 years ago from a type and a shadow to a reality. It took it to where it applied. How does that apply to me? How do I take that historical book and the historical account that happened back in Moses' day, fast forward it to Jesus' day, and then go, wow, that's an incredible thing. Here's what happened. If we're not too careful... We'll make that old Moses' story, we'll put it in the second, Jesus' second chapter of the Moses' first chapter, and they'll both be historical books, 
and not have any living way. But what he said was, go back to the verse before this. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the what? The blood of Jesus. Next verse. By a new and living way. Alive, current, fresh today, which he hath consecrated for us through, uh oh, the veil in Moses becomes the flesh of Jesus. So when they poked him in the side and blood and water starts coming out of his side on the cross, about six miles across town, there was a veil that was being rent from the top to the bottom while all of the Jewish people that didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah were doing their holy ceremony. But while the ceremony was going on and they're watching this veil rent from top to bottom, there was a veil that was being torn from top, from heaven to earth, in the side of Jesus, and the blood and the water was coming out. It wasn't just for him to come out, the blood and water. It was rent from top to bottom so we could go in. Are you following that? That's important. This is, this is really, so what caught the ripping of his side and his flesh, it tore that gave us a clear pathway in to the very secret place of God that you can walk boldly into him without condemnation or shame and stand to him and say, my God, I'm not coming here in the name of myself. I'm coming here because I have the authority to come here and a privilege to come here because of who he is. Now, that's a pretty good little story. Don't you think? I mean, my, yeah, that gets me excited. I don't know about that. It gets you excited or not. So, Jesus. About a year before he passed away or died, gave up, gave up the offering. He didn't get killed. He made it, became an offering. And Jesus was invited to this man's house named Simon the leper, Pharisee. He got invited into this house and for dinner. So inside this house was the, the, the Pharisee, Simon, all kinds of religious people that were here and all gathered for this meal. Jesus was the invited guest. The atmosphere was good for food, fellowship, kind of a party type atmosphere. And all of a sudden, here comes this lady, this woman, that... Everybody all knew, but they didn't think he knew. This woman was carrying this box. And as she was carrying this box, it looked like a, just a normal box. And as she was carrying this box, she comes walking in this house, uninvited, but the door was open. Okay. She walks in there with this box. The box didn't open easily. So rather than her waste the time on figuring out how the mechanics work to open the box, she breaks the box. Because it wasn't, she wasn't concerned about the mechanics. She wasn't concerned about the, the material of the box. 
what she had was spikenard inside that box with oil. And she took that oil and she approached Jesus and she begins to wipe his, pour the oil on his, or, his, or the oil on his feet, his hair, and all over his body. And she began to wipe her, take her hair off her head and just begin to just wipe up his tear, the tear, her tears as they were rolling down her face. And all these people, I want you to watch this, all these people that were in there, Simon the leper, the Pharisee, all his buddies and friends, all were gathered around watching this woman. Nobody had the courage to stop her, but they had the courage to talk about her. They talked about her to each other. They reasoned amongst themselves. Now, this is before the cross. So this woman walks in. Everybody kind of knew she was not saved. In fact, once uh, in, in Luke, it says this, Simon said to himself, man, this is a sinner. This woman, she'd been with a lot of men. She got a past and she's got a present. This woman is just not fit to be in here. She don't qualify. And he, Simon said this, if Jesus would really was really a prophet, he would know who she was. She don't qualify to be in the presence of the Lord. She don't qualify to be blessed. We're, we're the Pharisees. We're from the family. We've studied this thing out. We know the rules. We know the laws. We know the regulations. We know the approach. We know how to, we know how to stay in tune with what God's doing. We know how to say it. We know how to speak it. We know how to teach it. We need to experience it. We know all of those things. Who does she think she is? Coming in here in my house, and, and, and pulling the wool over Jesus' eye because here he is, if he was really a prophet, he would have known she's a sinner. Jesus looks and says, Simon, I got something I gotta say to you. As he was saying this, if he was a prophet, he'd know she was a sinner. He said, he would give him a parable. He said, you know, the, if, if you've got a lot that you owe and you can't pay it and, and, and it's been forgiven to you and somebody else owes a heck of a lot more and it was forgiven them by the same person, who do you think is going to love the most? The one that, that's forgiven a little or the one that's forgiven a lot? And the disciples, of course, start reasoning amongst themselves, knowing good and well, we've been down this road before. This is a setup. So they say, hey, Jesus, it's gotta be the one that's been forgiven the most. He says, you said right. Because those that forgiven much, love much. Now, all my life, I've already, I've taught it and I've preached it and I've even been taught it, is the fact is you just start tallying up your sins and if you've got a heck of a lot of sins and a whole lot of trouble and you've been forgiven a lot, you'll, for, you'll love him more. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the degree that you understand your forgiveness compels you to fall in love with Jesus. When that reality sets in that your sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. That you can come boldly to, to God and go on, God, I don't have to come in here with my insecurities. I can come in here with courage going, I... You, you've allowed me to come. The invite is from you. Now, here's what you have. You have a Simon Leper's house. Jesus is a guest. Jesus is looking at Simon the Leper and saying, she has right to be here. Simon is the house owner. Jesus is the guest. Simon says she don't have a right. Jesus says she's got a right. Who does Jesus think he is giving a right to a woman to come in the house that he don't even own? He will be an advocate of those that love him. He'll give you access to places that you have no permission to be in. 
He'll open up, he'll get you a relationship that you're not even qualified or you don't even think you're ready to have, but he'll bring one in your life. You begin to shut yourself down and you're so concerned you're gonna mess up this one like you did the last one and he'll still thrust you right in. He'll heal you even though you're not eating the way you're supposed to be eating just because he can. He'll forgive your debt when you don't even know how to ask to forgive that debt. Why? Just because he can. He will invite you in places and give you permission to places that you have no business even being. He'll heal your marriage. He'll change him after the fact you're so mad at him and you start seeing him get changed. It'll make you even matter because you're going, well, how come he didn't act like that the first 15 years? Right? Your, your kids will come and provoke you to get out of bed to bring them to church while you're trying to correct them all week because they're being a little, little mean. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you the truth. This is the moment. So she comes in here. These guys are witnessing this. So the, the, the Pharisees around them, which is the religious people, then you got Jesus' guys, the guys that walk with him. They're, they're noble. They're going... What is she doing wasting this, the oil? I mean, that oil's worth some money. We can feed a lot of poor. We can take care of a lot of stuff with this, man. This is, we can do ministry with this, Jesus. This is, this is stuff we, Jesus, do you not understand? We've been praying for the resources to do ministry and she's brought it in here and wasting it on your feet. Jesus says, look, the poor will be with you always. But listen to this. This is the point that most people never see. He says, the poor will be with you always, but I won't be. Now, wait a minute. That's, a, that's, a, that's an dichotomy. How can you say you won't be, but in five chapters later, you say, I'll never leave you, forsake you? How is that to be? Because Jesus is looking at the disciples saying, listen, guys, if you don't get this, you're not going to get anything. Moses is a historical fact and a frame of reference for you to live from today. I'm giving you another historical fact that'll have you a frame of reference for you to live from tomorrow. But if you don't let this become a new and living way, you'll still try to do what you did yesterday and you'll never walk into what I have for you today. You're gonna think everything's gonna run out. Everything has a penalty. Everything's gonna, no. What if I told you that quit trying to cut up the pieces of the pie and let you know, throw the pie out because there's no endless there's endless supply of what I have for you in your life. You're concerned and everything's postured out of fear. Do you, I multiplied, I fed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and five loaves. And you're worried about oil? I can pick this oil up off the ground, multiply this oil, and you'll never have to worry about ministry again. But you better get one thing right. This woman is here for the right reason. This woman is demonstrating to you how every religious person, every sinner, and every Pharisee, every disciple, all fits in the same category. What? It's a posture of my heart. As she walks in, humble, breaking the box, the veil was broken because she recognized something. 
that the disciples didn't recognize. The exterior only carries the oil. Jesus' flesh was crucified on the cross, poked in the side. Jesus, the name Jesus, the Jesus the man was the body. Oh, but the substance was the Christ. my. The veil was torn. Jesus says, you guys don't understand. What she's doing is a memorial for my burial. It's a picture of what's going to happen on the cross. It's, she's so recognizing me and so caught up in me that she had to give her best that was inside of her box and she didn't care about the container. She wanted the substance from the box to pour upon me. He said, that's a picture of me. I'm on the cross. I let him break my box so what was inside the box could come out and flow all over you. Don't put a price tag on it. Don't try, to, don't try to pick it up and put it back in the box and use it for other reasons. No, the oil, which is my substance, is what I'm telling you is going to be put in the hearts of every man, woman, and child. How, how, do, you, how, do, you, how do you figure? Because when he was, the veil was rent, top to bottom, Jesus was pierced. It says... I did away with the way it was to bring in a new covenant. And the new covenant, you gotta get this, the new covenant doesn't hinge upon your behavior. The new covenant hinges upon his behavior. The old covenant brought you to the veil. The new covenant takes you through the veil. The woman was us on the outside looking in. She saw an opening because Jesus was in there. She didn't have to be invited. She said, oh no, I've got something inside my box. And inside my box, she starts carrying in this box. She breaks the box and she starts washing his feet. The tears are flying. The people are starting why It's a perfect picture of the church and us today. We are not gatekeepers of the rules and regulations. We are not gatekeepers of the protocol to God. What we are gatekeepers of, the oil that's in the box of every person sitting in this congregation. And somehow, some way, God knows how to poke your flesh, rip that thing from top to bottom to get that thing to flow outside of you. Sometimes it's through a bad relationship. Sometimes it's a bad business decision. Sometimes it's just a poor pressure that you're feeling all the time. It's your kids. It's life circumstances that he brings you to, and you have an opportunity. You can identify with the religious people disqualifying yourself, 
Or you can identify with the woman that brought the alabaster box inside Jesus's presence and saying, listen, I know I don't have a right to be here, but I'm going to be here anyway. I know I don't have protocol. I know I don't have the reputation. I know who my parents are from that side of the track. I know all that. I know I've got a stack of things held up against me, but I'm still coming anyway. And if you want me out of here, you're going to pick me up and throw me out of here. But because I know I have an advocate that's making intercession for me every day. I don't have to compel him to do right for me. He desires to do right for me. I don't have to beg him and prod him and coerce him and manipulate him. It's not going to be my 50 bucks to get him to give me 100. He desires to give me 100 without my 50 bucks. I'm giving him a 50 bucks because sometimes it's my alabaster box. And I'm giving it to him out of a heart of gratitude. I give him my praise and worship out of a heart of gratitude. I don't come to him to try to get something. I come to him because I've already gotten something. And the posture changes. The Old Testament is to give to receive. The New Testament is you have received, so freely give. So it's poking. You're going through stuff in life right now going, my God, how am I going to, what do I do? How do? I'll tell you what it all is. It is to get you to see, to separate your flesh and your humanity and your reliance of what qualifies you by your goodness or disqualifies you by your badness. Get your eyes off of that. Get your eyes on him. And wherever there's a door opening that you know he is in, you go in his presence. You follow him wherever he goes. But what a, here's the deal. The only thing that's going to frustrate you and get us in a place is this one question. What will people think? What separates the spirit realm from the humanity realm is what do people think? She walked in. All around her were her accusers. Some guys probably were her customers. I'm sure she owned a grocery store downtown. Got where she ought to go get oil or something like that. So she... she she had her people. These people knew her. She knew them. Simon had to know her because he said, she's a sinner. If Jesus would have known that, he wouldn't even be talking to her. They knew her reputation. It was speaking for itself. And in fact, the Bible even tells them what it is. She, she was not from a, a good background, right? But she had to look at the people and say, I either have to press past what the people think to get to him because I can't have shifty eyes. I can't look at him and look at them. I got to get my eyes off them and look at him. I can't even look at me and look at him. I got to get my eyes on him. If I see him and not see me and see them, I'm safe. Because why? I'll have boldness to go in front of him. The minute I take my eyes off of him and put it on me, I get afraid. The minute I put my eyes off of him and put them on them, what they think, I begin to shut down and evaluate. I position and posture myself based on what they're saying. And when they're loud, their voice gets louder than his presence, it'll slow you down. Hmm. Is this helping anybody today? Oh, it's helping me. God, it's helping me. Man, you have to insulate yourself. 
You have to insulate yourself and almost it's like, it's like, a, it's like a racehorse running a race, the Kentucky Derby, and they got blinders on it. Why? So they don't see what's on the right and their left. All they see is the finish line. And they got somebody riding them, that jockey riding them and just tell them to go, go. Why? Because I know where we're going. But the minute you start focusing on the left or the right, if you focus on you, you see your insufficiencies. If you focus on them, they'll remind you of your insufficiency. And here's the bad part about it. Everything they were saying was probably true. Man, you're, you're a sinner. I know, but I don't have time to explain that to you. I gotta go here. Man, do you realize what you did? You caused all of that. I know. I look at my family every day and I see the repercussions of that, but I can't, I, I, I can't. Listening to you and looking at this walk, makes me waller in it and I can't get here. And as long as I'm looking at you, looking at that, listening to you, listening to that, I don't go forward and I can't get through this. Every step she took, I'm sure somebody said, yeah, I know you. Do, do, do you know what you've done? And she's probably going, I know. And she heard, had to hear it. And she just kept going. I know, God, I know, I gotta tune that out. I know I, that divorce was your fault. I know. But I can't stop now. You, you, did, you don't even have your kids. The kids don't even respect. I know, but I can't stop now. You lost it all. You gambled it all and you put it all on the line and, you, and, and it failed. I know, but I, I can't stop now. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't stop now. I, you, you, you don't even, your family is even turned on. I know, I know, but I can't stop now. Why? Because right here, is a promise that tells me my sins and iniquities he'll remember no more. As far as the east as the west, he'll throw them all and cast them aside and not remind me of them. He'll show me a new and living way. As long as I'm listening to you and looking at you, I just keep saying every time, I know, I know this is my 10th time trying to come in here. I've tried it before and I didn't work. I know, I know, but this time's different. How's it different this time? Because this time I realized I have boldness and courage to get in his presence. Why? Because I know he's not going to hold. It's the only safe place I have. You guys will curse me and, and talk about me and, and, and turn on me, but he'll never leave me or forsake me. I, I know it's going to fall apart before he gets better, but I'd rather hurry him fall apart so it can hurry him get better. Stand with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Is there anybody in here today that nobody's looking around? You just need to get saved. What I mean by saved, you just gotta embrace what he's already done for you. I'm not talking about giving your life to Jesus. I'm talking about receiving his life first so you can then give your life to Jesus. Nobody's looking around. I'm gonna count to three. Maybe everybody in here is saved. If that's the case, I'm gonna pray for you, but I want you to give me this moment just for a second. I'm gonna count to three. If you know you're lost, 
I want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you today. One, two, three. I see your hands. I see your hands. Yeah. You, you, you might have ascribed to the, the wrong gospel. The one that says, take Jesus, and as long as you do everything right, he'll make you, you'll, you'll get rewarded. I'm talking about getting all his rewards so that you can just start living right. Those that raise your hand, if you would, just step out. I want you to meet me up here at the altar. I want, I want someone to have to pray with you. There's two people I know that raise their hand. Just come up to the front. I'm gonna have someone pray with you real quick. And the rest of you, I wanna pray for you. Father, we've heard your voice loud and clear today. We thank you that you're a God that overwhelms us with your love and compassion. And God, we're not minimizing the consequences of a, a fallen humanity. But we recognize, God, that your divinity and your victory is greater than even our biggest defeat. Our biggest failure, you're still greater than that. And God, every one of us have issues that we're dealing with, we're, we're striving to, to see higher and better and longer and more of you and our, our prayers are trying to be answered and we're trying to figure out what's stopping this one and what's stopping that one. And God, we, we're just making it too complicated. I'm asking you, God, to peel off the layers of our analytical frustration and allow us to just enjoy the new and the living way that's in you, in Christ Jesus, that says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can have confidence and courage coming to you, knowing that you're not holding everything against us. God, we, you already know what you're getting when you got us. We already know our situations, we know our circumstances, and we're not gonna continue just to peel back the layers of all of our issues and not get you. We want you and then you can peel off all those layers of issues. We bless you, we thank you. And we know God that this is the beginning of an eye-opening experience that you've already written the laws on our hearts and our minds. And as we walk forward out of here today, we're gonna walk out in a new and a living way, free from condemnation, free from shame, free from guilt, free from our past, embracing our future, knowing Lord that you are the reason that we're able to stand in the very presence of Almighty God the Father and say, you are free, you are forgiven, and in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. In your presence where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and we thank you for it, Father, so we walk out of here with great joy, great liberty, knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have boldness and courage and ready to take on whatever you've called us to take on, that the oil can be spilled, that the oil can be released, and it can go anywhere you call it to be, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you Wednesday night at 7.